0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter.
1: This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter.
0: And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer podcast. Welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where we're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. Ep- each episode? <laughs> you can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com. Find the blog at ObsessiveViewer.com and subscribe to the subreddit at r slash ObsessiveViewer. And you can help support the podcast at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. Or you can leave a uh, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. So, Tiny, how's it going? Very good. Good. So we're here today to talk about the Iowa caucus. And uh, just kidding. this Yeah. Is that, politics. I don't politics.
1: That crazy talking. Thomas Jefferson winning the caucus with the.
0: So today on the show, we're going to be doing a review of The Revenant. It's nominated for several Academy Awards. I think it's the uh, most nominated one this year, I think. But uh, yeah, so so that'll be fun. Um, before that, I think we're going to try something a little different, and we're going to have a brief news segment uh, before we get on to the main topic. Just kind of a, a rundown of some of uh, a few notable pieces of film or tv news that caught our eye on the interwebs uh this week uh, as kind of a primer for the episode at large um so i have two things that are semi related to each other okay so i'm just going to go ahead and uh run with these um i didn't put the link down for the for the episodes that these correlate with but um if you remember back last summer i did a uh for when we did the extended potpourri, one of the extended potpourris last uh, July or August, um, I talked about Indie film fest and how at Indie film fest, I saw a short film called the answers, uh, which was a particularly moving short film about a guy who wakes up and realizes that he's dead. And he's basically confronted with, um, his, mor- his mortality or, or his, uh, reflection, on, reflections on his life. And he's able to ask, um, and ask an entity like any question about his life and gets an instant answer and uh, it was a really it was a really well done short film and really great um, and particularly moving for me um, and the news item in this is that it is available to watch in its entirety. It's like seven minutes long on uh, YouTube. Right now. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Uh Check that out. It's definitely, definitely awesome. Tiny, have you seen the answers yet?
1: I have not, but okay. that sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. And in a somewhat related note, actually... Uh, friends of the show, Michael Goldberg and Dave Chan, uh, Dave Chan, uh, who we interviewed, uh, sometime last fall, uh, in the lead up to Sharktober and Irvington about their short film, What's Eating Dad, which was at Sharktober and Irvington, which we opened the, uh, night with. They, uh, have a Facebook page up for their new short film. Uh, it's a comedy short called Rye Manhattan. Um, and that's on, uh, Facebook. And they have, I think they have their first screening um, somewhere, I think in San Francisco this weekend. Okay. Um, so go check that out. You can like it at facebook.com slash the Manhattan. And you can also follow it on Twitter at the Manhattan. Um, really looking forward to checking that out at some point when it's available to me. Um, and always, always good to support those guys because they're super nice guys and, uh, very talented. So those are the two news items I have, and then I have one more I'll i t- I'll say after yours. So Tiny, what do you what do you got for us?
1: Okay. Uh first up from Slash Film, this was uh posted by Jacob Hall on Slash Film. Uh Elizabeth Banks was cast in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. I saw that. Uh, yeah, kinda crazy. Uh Dean Israelite is going to be the uh um the director of that movie. I'm mm-hmm. um, not familiar with him really, but uh Me neither. So, uh, Elizabeth Banks is going to play the uh, lead villain, uh, Rita Repulsa, which, if you remember, was the recurring villain from the series. Oh, I definitely remember. Back in the day. Mm. She had a charming voice. (laughs) Um no but I mean I think it's kind of fun I mean she's mm. she's a, a big name actress and she's kind of got a lot going for her right now she like directed the Pitch Perfect sequel yeah and I think she's, she's
0: attached to Pitch Perfect 3 as well to yeah direct...
1: right, right. Yeah. so she's got she's got a lot going on right now um so it's kind of cool that she took a role like this um uh, the, we'll we'll see how good the movie mm.
0: is. Um, right. <laughs> a lot of potential to not be
1: good, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see. I think it's kind of cool.
0: Right. It comes out March twenty third, twenty seventeen, according to IMDb. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, I don't really, I, I'm not going to seek this out and see it like opening weekend or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Dean Israelite is uh, let's see, he's the director of Project Almanac, which came out okay in twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um. And a couple other things but anyway uh I'm not really going to seek out Money Morphin Power Rangers despite it being like a pretty uh a pretty big part of my childhood really Mine too Yeah I mean I might take my nephews to it or something but um I'm not too eager about it but I think that Elizabeth Banks as Rita Repulsa is really good casting after her um after her role in uh the Hunger Games movies Yeah. she's, she's very flamboyant and very uh very uh loud loud <laughs> yeah and Rita repulsa is a very animated character mm-hmm. and i think she'll fit the role really well totes um yeah yep so what else you got for us uh
1: the other thing i have is uh another year down and another delay in stephen king's the stand yes uh, adaptation I, uh i mean basically as fans i'm just uh, we're kind of used to it by mm-hmm. now i mean every a lot of his major projects uh the dark tower and the stand just keep getting delayed year after year after year. Um, I think it's, I I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that I think it's a borderline impossible to adapt to a visual, like a movie or a TV type thing. I mean, TV definitely, but it would just be such a huge undertaking. I think a lot of networks would be terrified of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so they were trying to make a movie. that was supposed to be directed by Josh Boone. um, but he's uh, basically just shelving it for now. He said he has a script done, mm-hmm. but uh, he's actually just putting it on the shelf for now. Uh, but the good news is he's going to uh, write a script for another Stephen King uh, right. story called Revival, uh, which I'm not familiar with. It came out; the book came out in 2014.
0: Yeah, it was one of his um, like the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, very recent, very recent uh, I story. Read it yet. Um, it's got something to do with like a a a. a Preacher and a protege who can like harness electricity or something like that, something like that. yeah, it's something kind of sounds kind of cool. Um, the cover art's really cool, is it? Okay. Yeah, makes me want to read it just because he's gonna the, the there's a there's a quote from uh, from Josh Boone about why he's excited to adapt it. Um, there'll be the link for that in the show notes. You can mm-hmm. read it, um, uh, but it's uh, I think it's I mean it's, it's I'm glad that he's moving on that he's doing something else. You know he's mm-hmm. able to recognize any kind of shortcoming he has regarding the stand, which is a good thing. But at the same time, gosh, I feel like we've been waiting for this for 10 years. Yeah. Did he, did he
0: say that he was having trouble adapting it or is this just, he
1: didn't, but I don't know how else to take it. Okay. That's it's, it's speculation on my Mm -hmm. part, but um, yeah.
0: And you know, he, and we've talked about, I think we've talked about him before in the past in regards to Stephen King. But, um, I really, I think that he is probably one of the best suited, uh, filmmakers to tackle Stephen King. Cause he's a massive Stephen King fan of uh, his mm-hmm. movie. Um, what was it called? Stuck, stuck in love. There's a, like one of the characters, uh, I think he played by Nat Wolf um, is like obsessed with Stephen King. And there's a really great moment where he's basically telling uh, his love interest in the movie about like why um, I think it's why it is why it's the book. It is like one of the best coming of age stories of all time. Wow. And it's like just the passion that he says, it's like, this is Josh Boone talking, basically and he's like i i have full faith that i'm i'm glad that i'm upset that the stand is getting shelved for the time being but i'm also glad that he's not abandoning a stephen king project to do something else right um although he does have that um and it's uh, one of the x-men movies um coming out that's not like an x-men movie but i think it's like uh, not x-force but um i think it's like a a, a, some some spinoff for x-men uh, in the pipeline so I don't know
1: okay well it sounds like it's hard in the right place
0: yeah 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 so uh, to round us out for this new news segment let me let us know what you think of this because uh, it's kind of new for us we usually just r- roll right into the topic but anyway um, <laughs> uh, I just I actually just finished recording a bonus episode about Mad Dogs with uh, Dylan Shuck a fellow podcaster and a writer for uh, be com. Um, so and we got on a tangent about 24 and that got me thinking that this this news is like a little old it's not really that uh it, that recent i think it's a couple of weeks old but um Tiny, are you familiar with 20, uh, 24 legacy? No. It is a uh it is a uh um a spin-off TV show. Oh god. That it's going to be uh it's not going to have Jack Bauer in it. Okay. Um it's going to be uh the the star of it is going to be uh, Corey Hawkins of straight out of Compton. Okay. I think they're shooting for a 13 episode order. So it's not going to be a full 24 episode I like the okay. live another day miniseries. But basically, uh, Corey Hawkins is going to play Eric Carter. A, uh, this is, this is the description for him. He's a strong and smart guy who came from a very rough background and turned his life around in the army rangers. Uh, Now back home in Virginia with his wife Nicole, he's pulled back into action as his past comes comes looking for him. Uh, So he was Dr. Dre and straight out of Compton. And and, you know, if they can if they can resurrect this property and do it right, um, more power to him. Maybe it'll maybe it'll be a hit. Hmm. Um, Because really, like reflecting on Twenty Four, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like Breaking Bad or anything like that. I think this is part of what Dylan said in our bonus episode. But I mean, it wasn't like top tier television it was it was popcorn fun action adventure thriller and all that stuff um not really meant to be taken all that seriously although i sure as hell did (laughs) take it incredibly seriously yeah um so we'll see it'll be interesting cool um so yeah so that basically rounds us out for this new news segment again let us know what you think because flying by the seat of our pants here um so this week on the podcast we're going to be reviewing revenant the revenant uh, by Alejandro G. Inarritu. Uh, his after last year's or 2014's, uh, Birdman. This is his next film. Um, got nominated for best actor. Best did did Tom Hardy get supporting actor nomination? I don't know. I think, know. So. I think uh, he did. Okay. Um, best probably a bunch of a bunch of nominations. A bunch of nominations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So it's it's the Revenant, man. Tiny. What did you think? You've seen it a lot uh, more recent than I have. So what did you, what were your overall thoughts on the Revenant? By the way, we will have a, if we dip into spoilers, uh, we will notify you accordingly. Okay. Um, I saw it
1: Sunday, um, a couple days ago, uh, much later than I wanted to. I was super excited for the movie and I, I wanted to go see it pretty, pretty soon after it came out, but, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of had trouble finding the time. Um, I, I'm kind of glad I waited though. Cause, uh, just had a, a relatively empty theater so I got to kind of nice. enjoy it myself um, not by myself but pretty close um, mm-hmm. but it was uh it was it was a really just an amazing ride of a movie um, it's a uh, it, it's it's one of those movies that that plays with a plays with classical themes um, but still makes it the movie makes it their own and, and kind of puts a new spin on it um, and, you know, classics are classics for a reason. They're just, they they just always, you can all, they always resonate with their audiences and they always hit the right notes and, and, uh, evoke the emotion from their, their audiences and everything. It's just, and that's exactly what The Revenant did. Um, I, I was really blown away by the movie. Um, it was just, it, it felt like, it felt like being on a ride, you know, I think, I think Journey, it's sort of Journey kind of movies have that. Have that uh, effect if they're done re- if they're done well, mm-hmm. and this movie was done really well. Um, it's uh, it's it's not a movie for everybody because it's very the, the, there's long long gaps where there's har- al- almost no dialogue, and um, it's it's such a visually and, and performance va- performance based movie, um, which I think was was to its credit, but it's just not that style is not always accessible for everyone. Um, right. um, and so I'm glad that the movie didn't take any, take any liberties or, or t- do any shortcuts in regards to that. You know, I think Alejandro had a he had a vision for this and he stuck to that. He wasn't going to cut corners or I think he wasn't going to, you know, do things to, to make the movie accessible to, to a broader audience. He was going to make it, accessible to a specific audience. And I think he, he handled that perfectly. Um, I, I I think it just, the movie hit on all eight cylinders and never let off the gas. As far as I'm concerned. Um, it was an awesome movie. The performances were unbelievable. Uh, the cinematography was gorgeous. Um, there's just so many amazing things to say about the movie. Um, I, I hardly have, I don't know if I have any criticisms of it. Um, (laughs) it was really great. I I loved it. And I think it deserves all the, all the hype and the nominations it's getting.
0: Nice. Um, what did you think of, uh, well, we can get into that in a little bit. I'll, I'll give my overall thoughts. Um, basically I, I thought that it was incredible. Um, just from sheer visual styles and, and filmmaking techniques, it was, it was absolutely jaw dropping. There are a couple, there are various segments where it's, it's like it's one of the most luscious and and visually arresting movies I've ever seen. Um, there's a sequence early on where their uh, their camp is being attacked, and like the way that Inuritu shoots it, it's it's like it's it's hard to describe. But it it reminds me of like you know in video games when when you're like you have aim assist on and you and you aim at someone and then take them out. Um, and then you hit aim assist again and it jumps to the next person. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the visual style that he imp- implemented in this is like it's, there's, it's a long continuous take all through just the carnage of this, of this big, huge, um uh battle scene is the, is the best i can describe they're not soldiers or anything but a, a battle scene at this camp and uh it'll it'll just zoom in on a close up of one character and then like they'll get like an arrow through the eye or and they'll get like taken out in some other fashion and then it'll just zoom over to the next one and it just follows this progression that's through several different viewpoints um in this style and it's just it's just unbelievable it's just incredible and uh and just the the way that he just the way that he shoots these scenes i mean i don't know i don't know enough about the technical aspects of it i don't know what um kind of like uh what kind of camera he used or anything like that but it's like one of the most impressional impress, uh, impressive uh like digital films i've i've ever seen shot there's something about the color palette throughout it that's just so i mean it almost feels like it almost feels animated in a way. Just mm-hmm. the way that the color is is depicted on the screen. It's it's just it's uh, um, unbelievably um, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a couple like even in that first sequence, really. There's like a, like a lot of it's shot from like low angles, like almost to the ground and up at the characters. And it's, I mean, it's just it's something that you don't really see like that that method of filmmaking. Uh, or that that angle for that type of shot for that type of scene is just so it's almost disorienting, and that, that, I think that's part of what what he's going for. It's disorienting, and it's something that's just completely unexpected. And it's what the characters are going through is an unexpected uh, assault on their camp and everything. And then as the movie progresses, like you said, it is it is kind of a classic kind of western setup. It's you know there's a character who something happens, he's he's left for dead, and then he goes on to seek revenge on people that harmed him um, in, in some ways. We'll talk more about it in a spoiler section, I'm sure, but I want to keep it as vague as possible for the people who haven't seen it yet. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just a very basic kind of straightforward premise. And I think that it's it's played really well in this movie, especially since, um, as you said, the performances are just astounding. Like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is getting a lot of credit and a lot of... Uh, People are really excited about this hopefully being his year to win an Oscar, which he hasn't won an Oscar yet. Um And I just came away from it thinking like, okay, if he wins the Oscar for this, I'll be happy because it's not like a, it's not like a, oh, hey, we haven't given you an Oscar yet. Here's an Oscar. But he right. earned the shit out of this one. Yes, he did. If he gets it. And uh if he doesn't, he just needs to just, if he doesn't win, he just needs to go and like just do comedies or like do a sitcom or something. Yeah. Have some fun. Yeah. Cause man, it's like he really poured himself into this. However, I will say that in terms of, uh, the basic story and the premise and, and the different characters there, I think that Tom Hardy had the more meatier role Agreed. in the more character driven role in the, um, I don't know about necessarily the biggest, bigger arc of the two, but he had more, um, from a performance standpoint, whereas Leonardo DiCaprio's character is in his, in his, uh, his role is a much, much more physical role. And I Mm -hmm. mean, that's not to take anything away from either performance. They were both outstanding to me, but I think that, um, you get a lot more into the psyche of Tom Hardy's character than you do Leo's. And Mm -hmm. Tom Hardy is a freaking, a very interesting, like his character is a very interesting person. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's some really interesting, things that happen and it's he could have been a run of the mill like villain he could have you know purposely done something but you can kind of see his point of view and it's it's kind of slowly unfurled or un, uh, shown to us throughout the movie you kind of see more and more of his perspective and you kind of get the sense that okay no well, i it's wrong but um he has his reasons like he's he's i mean it 's not he 's still a bad guy, but I can really understand where he 's coming from, and that 's something that i you don 't really get to see handled that well or done that well uh, that often and that's something that 's something I really appreciated about this movie totally um, and then uh Donald Gleason was also in this movie um, <laughs> yes he was which i I liked him a lot. I thought that he was better in this than in Star Wars um, mm-hmm. and probably better than he was in Brooklyn. Um, on my guest spot on Film Shlub's Review in Brooklyn, I, I ranked, uh, the Donald Gleason performances. I can't remember how, how it shook out, uh, but he, he was in four movies last year in 2015. He was in The Revenant, uh, Star Wars, Brooklyn, and Ex Machina. And I okay. think, ex, I think Ex Machina was tops for me, but I think this was number two. Okay. Um, yeah. So, anyway, the really incredible, really incredible experience. I, I really, really liked the performances. Uh, and I, I really think that uh, Tom Hardy, in addition to Leonardo DiCaprio, like they both gave incredible performances and uh, Tom Hardy in particular was just really, really fantastic to me. He, he was great at playing a despicable character that has such a matter of fact personality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, not to take anything away from Leo's performance, but um, I just, I kind of connected to the performance of Tom Hardy uh, quite a bit. And yeah, also, um, this is all these are all my broad topics, or my broad thoughts on it, but um, <laughs> also, I want to just mention the freaking score in this movie. Yeah. Like, did you notice, like, did you pick up on the score? Like, did you notice if it was good or not? Or I totally did. did. I, I loved
1: yeah. how subdued it was.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it kind of played on the same theme. I'm not a musical person, so I don't know much about the actual uh techni- techniques of making music by any stretch but like there's uh-huh. a theme that's played throughout it's on the on the soundtrack it's actually the uh the revenant theme i think or main theme but it's like it's just such a haunting like like almost sorrowful kind of kind of tone of a uh, of a string or something but it's i mean it just sounds just amazing like i kind of wish that um it would have been nominated for best score, which is kind of silly because it was nominated for basically everything else. But, mm. uh, I just want to mention that Bryce Desner apparently composed the score and it's, I mean, it was just haunting atmospheric and it like the sounds of it almost belongs in a horror movie, which at yeah. times this movie was kind of horrific, but yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, it's just, I, and I really love the way that the score were worked in tandem with like the na- the sounds of nature in the movie. Like there's some scenes where they're, um, I think, uh, you might want to refresh my memory on this, but there's a scene where uh, people are camping and they're looking up at the sky, and you can kind of hear the trees rustling, and mm-hmm. it's just it's just like the sound design of that was just amazing. Agreed. Um, yeah, and yeah,
1: and it's it's a movie that didn't need um, it didn't need a very uh, a really electric or a really bells and whistles kind of score. Right. Fantastic. Or, it's, it's, or anything. yeah, yeah. It, it 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 needed a a, a simple and uh, subdued and 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 just appropriate somber kind of musical score it mm-hmm. didn't didn't anything crazy cuz the uh, the other sounds of nature it was a very it was a very symphonic movie anyways right. um so uh, yeah i i agree i loved the music mm-hmm. in it and i definitely noticed yeah
0: yeah i'll put some of the music in when uh, we transition to spoilers cool uh, so people will be able to hear it um yeah so there's a lot of uh a lot of press about the, the bear scene. Um, yeah. yeah. And before I get to the actual bear scene to talk about it, are you familiar with the rumors about the bear rape thing? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, (laughs) it's funny. And I actually talked about this when I was on the Jeff, uh, Jeff Vibbert podcast, uh, recently, uh, which should be going up this week, I think. Anyway, um, (laughs) <laughs> that uh, the the rumor that he was raped by a bear on the set of The Revenant is ridiculous. I think it was just some uh, some journalist uh, making a joke, mm-hmm. and then the internet ran with it because the internet's weird. Yeah, but I almost laughed because okay, because the sequence is it's incredible. It's yeah. it's unbelievable and it's relentless and it's just terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end. <laughs> there's like one little part of the end of it where I swear to God that it looks like the bear it lunges into him Yes. for like a second. And I was like why, like, why did that have to happen on the internet? Cause that kind of ruined it for me. But anyway, that's not, that's not good film criticism or anything. I just wanted to point that out as something that I thought was humorous to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what did you think of the actual mechanics of the, of the bear attack sequence? Like, like how it was played out?
1: It was really well done. Um, Again, just a just a very um, a a very simple scene. I mean, there's not there's not a ton of bells and whistles in this movie, and I appreciated that because it's just the 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 action that's taking place in this scene speaks for itself. You don't need any uh, any crazy cuts or uh, filters and wide lenses and all this junk. Just just let this happen. Let this event happen and let it speak for itself. And and you know don't don't try to edit 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 it into just like some some crazy thing just some
0: quick cutting and yeah exactly yeah
1: exactly it was all it was all very on the surface just very very plain and 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 that that was so effective because the, it's just such an such a horrific thing that happens there's the the sound of flesh tearing and yes. and just the 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 the, the borderline joviality of the bear just kind of just kind of just kind of batting him around a little bit, but you know when <laughs> it's a when it's a two thousand pound animal mm-hmm. with with four inch long claws doing it to an average size man it's it's absolute chaos and mm-hmm. it's just a horrific thing so um i i appreciated the style of just letting that action speak for itself and just being uh being representative enough to let it let it be, let it being itself don't don't go crazy with it and right it's, but don't don't michael bay it
0: right and, yeah. and it's funny and i and i don't mean this as a criticism of what you said or anything but like when you said like it was it was very simple or straightforward or however you phrase it i was like like i just imagine like everyone that worked on that scene <laughs> like freaking out not that, not like you didn't diminish their their work or anything like that because you were saying that it was you know it was very straightforward and everything and i think that's part of what makes it such an such a memorable scene is that it is like just a, like it, like the camera moves and everything along with it, but it's like, it's, it's not like you said, it's like, it's not quick cuts. It's not shortcuts to, to save money on post-production or anything like that. But, uh, it, I mean, it's just there. It's just, it's just freaking there. And it's so brutal. Um, it wasn't filmed like an
1: action scene. Exactly. That's what I meant by Straightforward. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah. Um, but I, and I just think that it's funny that, we're at a time in in move in in just general filmmaking, uh, discussion that that something that is so obviously so labor intensive on the filmmaking part that it's it's so funny that in our in our in our vernacular and everything we say like oh that's that's a straightforward way to do it when it's yeah. there's so much technicality to it and and like it's it's just funny to me that because um, the alternative is just really quick and frenetic action that's that's just really. Uh, Incomprehensible, really. Yeah. And it's just something that I really appreciate about the movie. Um, and also it, it also resonated with me quite a bit because as as listeners of the podcast know i have a cat named pizza roll oh god and when i got her i know and when i got her like i could feel the pain that leo was going through because when i first got pizza like she like she like would jump on me and like climb up my back and everything so like i have like scars on my back or scratches on my back (laughs) of my cat trying to climb up me and everything like when i was when i'm like just wearing a shirt and everything now. um
1: good god how did you survive
0: well, uh some people uh tried to try to help me out and then they left me for dead and then um <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this went off the rails. Anyway, um <laughs> she's really good about waiting until I have on a sweatshirt or something now.
1: Oh that's so nice. It's
0: good. Or my jacket. So anyway, um <laughs> so yeah, so the movie that in What's amazing is, is I want to dance around spoilers and everything and what's amazing to me is like what we've discussed so far is the first 20 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Uh we haven't actually gotten in gotten into the plot but um I think we should save that for spoilers. Do you think yeah, so? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, so is there anything else non-spoiler that spo- non-spoiler that we can discuss?
1: Yeah, I think okay. uh just just another broad thing is is the the um, the themes of the movie being mm-hmm. that you know, in, in literature and storytelling, you have these very broad things of, you know, the very basic, basic structures are man versus man, man versus mm-hmm. nature, all that stuff. And I think this movie managed to balance two of them incredibly well. Uh, there's the whole man versus man conflict that we get between the main character and some of the other supporting characters. Mm-hmm. And just the, the survival aspect of man versus nature, mm-hmm. uh, which is displayed wholeheartedly throughout this whole movie. Right. Um, both done to incredible effect. I mean, it's just—it's again, they're—I hate to use the word simple, straightforward. <laughs> it's just like it's just—it's just a man surviving in the woods. Yeah. You could have shot it in your sleep, is what. You're talking yes, about. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. I could have shot the whole thing on an iPhone. I should have the, could have shot the whole thing on an iPhone in my backyard. I don't know what the big deal was. It's um, ridiculous, but no, it's just—it's a man trying to survive in the woods and a pretty basic conflict between the two men too I don't want to I don't want to spoil that um right but it's it, I I just thought it was a great balance cuz you get you get both things and you're concerned about both things throughout the movie and all these characters go through both of those major themes mm-hmm. and uh it's just it's it's it can be a very tricky thing to do yeah. and uh, and they pulled it off really well in this movie.
0: I agree, I agree. It was the the plotting of it and the uh, the pacing of it was just really really well done for me. I mean, I wasn't bored at all through this movie, and uh, mm-hmm. and it was just it was just it gripped me from from the moment um, uh, from the word go. And uh, I I do want to mention that, and this is something I've uh, I've heard other people kind of critique the movie on. It didn't really bother me as much as other people did, uh, uh, other podcasts I listened to, but. Um, how did you feel about the CGI of the of the animals throughout the movie? Like, there's one scene where he comes across, I think it's a herd of buffalo. Um, I thought like that it it wasn't bad, but it, I I think that the rendering of the of the animals wasn't really quite up to snuff. Did you catch that at all, or did you have that feeling?
1: I agree, a hundred percent. Okay, I wish they would have spent a little more money there or something. Yeah, to take taking a little more time because right. yeah, it it felt very CGI. Mm-hmm. The sound was really good. Right. But yeah, the visually it 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 uh it left something to be desired, mm-hmm. I agree, yeah, and that's I mean, but the bear attack, on the other hand, yeah exactly that, that was like almost flawless oh, cGI yeah. you knew it was CGI because you can't have a bear attack a person in real life
0: yet, <laughs> um, yet.
1: <laughs> um but so I knew it was CGI for obviously for that reason, but also I mean, you could tell it was cGI, but it was really convincing the detail mm-hmm. of it um.
0: Did you know that this was based on a true story? I
1: did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that true story though. Yeah.
0: Me I... neither. And from what I've heard, it's basically just, it's not like, it's not like uh, this happened and this happened and this happened. It's not like a straight retelling of it. I think it's more gone into legend than anything. Okay. Um, but I think the, the kind of basic things of, uh, the guy with the, uh, the bear attack aspect of it is pretty, pretty truthful. I think. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, uh, Hugh Glass was a real person. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think there was something else I was going to bring up, but I can't really remember, but, um, we can go into spoilers here in a second. Just if you want to give your kind of overall thoughts and a rating, if you, if you, if you could. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Um, I overall,
1: I I think it, it definitely would have made my top 10, probably my top Mm -hmm. three or so. Um, it, it was just such a, such a cool movie and just such a, such a really unique, unique story. We, we don't, there aren't a lot of movies like this um the, the 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 grit and the uh the rawness of the the style of of the movie that was just so raw and rough and gritty and i th- i think realistic which is kind of scary right um and, and i really i just appreciate all those aspects of this i don't i don't think they cut any they didn't cut any corners in that respect you know they could have they could have put a little gloss on this movie but they they chose not to, and I think it was an amazing choice. And it just that that came through in like every single scene. Uh, I just I loved the work. Um, I don't think we mentioned the makeup at all. Right. Good lord. They. they, they I hope it got nominated for best makeup. <laughs> I want to say that it did. It should have. Um, so the, just every single visual cue in this movie was just on point, mm-hmm. um, top notch. I don't think it gets much better than. Uh, than the visuals in this movie. Um, and, and, you know, you can't uh, not to take anything away from the performances either, or the, the writing, which I think was really well done. Um, it, it was just a, a movie. Like I said, it was banging on all eight cylinders and they didn't let up on the gas at all. So, uh, I'd probably give it i uh, I'd give it a solid nine out of 10. Nice. I think great movie.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I'll echo all of, all of that really. Um, just an incredible movie all around. I would give it probably a nine. Um, I rated it four and a half stars on uh, Letterboxd. And uh, had I seen this before the first of the year, it probably would have bumped uh, The Martian for the number five spot on nice. my top ten. And it pr- it could have very well given uh, X Machina a run for its money for number four. Mm. Um, but overall the, the music was incredible. I loved the score. I loved the performances both from Leo and from Tom Hardy. I think that those, those two characters playing a, <sighs> playing at odds with each other was just really, just really gripping to me. And, uh, yeah, I think that if, uh, and again, I'll say this again, uh, if the Revenant get finally gets... Leo and Oscar, I'll be happy that it's a role that he deserves it for. Nice. Um Yeah, so having said that, should we go into spoilers? Totes. Alright. Okay, of course that means we're gonna go into spoilers, so if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and skip ahead to the potpourri section you can check the show notes or if you're too lazy or and not in a position to check the show notes of the episode you can skip ahead to 57:17 in the time stamps or in the in the timeline of the episode uh, that's where we go to our potpourri section um, if you have seen it and look f- and want to hear us talk about it then keep listening yeah, so the way that that repeated throughout the movie was just fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, we are spoilers live for the Revenant. So, Tiny, um, dude had to watch his son get killed.
1: Leo DiCaprio was dead the whole time. <laughs> no. Um, yeah,
0: he did. That yeah. was, man, that was rough. That was so, so brutal. And I love the, I don't want to say, um, I don't want to say the moral gray area of it because he still killed the damn kid. Yeah. But I can, I, it's so weird to have a movie where there's a guy who's clearly like, clearly off his rocker, clearly not well adjusted, all that stuff. But you can see where he's coming from. You can see why. It's, yeah. It's so great that it's not like, it's not like he did this just because he didn't like him or he didn't like the kid. It's like he was, if he, in his mind, from his perspective, he was somewhat forced to forced to do it where i mean anyone else would you know argue with that but you it's the movie was just fantastic at painting his perspective of it, and that's such a rare gift for filmmaking and for storytelling mm-hmm. to be able to show that side of it so
1: yeah it's it's rare that you uh you sympathize with a villain and, and kind of mm-hmm you come to the under you come to an understanding with the villain that's that's a very that's you don't see that too often and again difficult yeah. to do um i think i think the fact that uh the character of Fitzgerald played by Tom Hardy mm-hmm. um the fact that he chose to put himself in that situation is what ultimately makes him the villain i mean right that's that's where That's where it begins, I'll say. I I think all the arguing and bickering before that, you know, you can be like, "Well, he's kind of got a point, you know." I can't really disagree with him too much, and then it gets to the point where he chooses to put himself in the situation. I'm like, "All right, he's he's voluntarily putting himself in a situation where he knows what he wants to do, and he's he's exploiting that situation." So that's that that's villainous in and of itself. And then when he stabs the guy's son to death, that's that's where he goes off the deep end. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I, I totally agree. There's 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 some sympathetic action there and I I can understand some of that, but he, he just, he takes it a little far. (laughs) Right. Um, and he's clearly just a selfish, vindictive person. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the, the, the movie has this theme of survival throughout it. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's a great line, uh, pretty early on that Fitzgerald has where, um, I, I think, uh, maybe, uh, the captain says something along the lines of, you want to get back to your life or something like that? And he says, mm-hmm. what life? I don't have a life. <laughs> and, 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 you know, these people back in this time period, they weren't, they didn't really have lives. The, the mm-hmm. people that chose to live this lifestyle, they, uh, they didn't really have lives. They basically just survived. It was just about like, these are the obstacles I have for today. and These obstacles want to kill me. Right. <laughs> and they overcame them and managed to survive. That's what, that's what life was like for a lot of people back then, and it's. And
0: he also just wanted to get his money, like he wanted yeah, to get paid. <laughs> right, he did a job, <laughs> all, all the yeah. work that he did. Yeah, right,
1: right. So, I mean, it's hard I mean work
0: killing kids—that's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. Anyway, what were you saying?
1: But anyway, the, the survival is a theme that I was just incredibly impressed by. This mm-hmm. was this was some the the odds of this, the the stakes of the movie yeah. were just insurmountable, and and. To see them overcame was, it was just it was amazing. I mean, these are just, just the the pinnacle of human survival. It's it's really incredible. Mm-hmm.
0: There is a sequence in it that you're gonna have to refresh my memory. It's been it's been uh, several weeks since I or a few weeks since I've seen this movie, but um, mm-hmm. so you've seen it a lot sooner than me. But um, so there's a scene where Fitzgerald is talking about surviving a scalping, mm-hmm. which was freaking. Like just the way that he tells it, it's so gripping, yeah, and amazing, but he in that scene when he's talking to um the kid, I, I don't remember the name, yeah, yeah, um, anyway, so so he's talking about it and he he compares himself to God, yeah, and he like at that point, at that point, I was like, okay, well, he has kind of a complex about him. <laughs> Uh, but then later he has this anecdote about his dad, and he, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, he talks about how his dad said that he found God, and it ended up being just the squirrel that he, right. and then he watched his dad kill the squirrel and he ate it, yeah, and he ate it, and uh, and like I I I felt like that that I mean it was a little I mean it might have been a little on the nose, but I love the way that it was depicted because it just explains who Fitzgerald is and, and yeah. his nature, and um, I I couldn't. I, I was trying to piece together what exactly it meant. It's like, is, is Fitzgerald just a dominant person? Like a, like someone who's only out for his own survival. And it's, it kind of plays on those themes. And it, it was just, it really brought out his character for me. And I mean, it's just, it Fitzgerald for me, was just the strongest character in the movie.
1: I agree. I think, I think he was the most well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, he, he was very, everything about him was very on the surface. He didn't, he didn't keep things bottled up, obviously. right. Um, so I, I totally agree with that. I think I I have trouble saying Tom Hardy gave the better performance because I'm not sure he did. Right. But I, they're I think... they're different performances too. So they're, yeah, they're very, like you said, uh, Leo DiCaprio's is very physical. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just two different things that aren't aren't necessarily comparable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we need to choose. <laughs> we don't need to say, well, this one was better than that. We don't need right. to. Right. And,
0: and let me be clear, that's not what I'm doing at all.
1: Like, oh yeah, you're right. Leo yeah.
0: is his. Like I keep saying, it's a physical performance and everything, and it is very much a physical performance. So it's also, it's also a very internal performance. Like you can see yeah. the agony in his face when he's laying there like helplessly watching his son get murdered. Yes, and it's just like you can feel the pain in his in his eyes in those in those scenes. And I mean, just both characters were really remarkably played by by their actors. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the kind of I guess final showdown between the two. Yes. Um I didn't really see that many trailers, but apparently it's spoiled in the trailer. The uh him on the horse on the back to 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 shoot uh-huh. Tom Hardy. Okay. Uh but um that final like fight by the by the um was it a river? Yeah,
1: the other on the uh, riverbank.
0: On the riverbank. Yeah. Um, just like that was just so brutal. It really was. So raw. uh uh-huh. Um and I kinda felt like <laughs> Um the the resolution of it was kinda silly. Let's let's okay, let's backtrack and talk about the um the Indian subplot mm-hmm. with finding like the Indian chief guy finding his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um how'd you feel about that? Because I felt it was a little bit disconnected for me for a while. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it it kind it came together well when um Hugh Glass stumbled upon um, her. And if I'm remembering correctly, she was part of the French people that the Indians were trading with. Was it French or they
1: were French? I think, I think it's implied they kidnapped her though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not that she was just with them, but
0: okay. Right. Right. They, they kidnapped her and they were raping her and everything. But yeah, like it's uh, like that. It was interesting to me because they were trading for horses so that they could go get her. Right. Not knowing that she was presumably there at the time. Right. Right. Um, I, I thought that that was a nice touch, but it it did, it did feel really disconnected. It kind of, at first, it kind of took me out of it because I, I was thinking, I thought for early on, I thought that I, I couldn't, I like, I couldn't make sense of it. I was like, why are why are they showing us these this group? And I was thinking, like, did did um, uh, uh Hugh Glass. Are they talking about the kids? Uh, I think his name was Hawk. Uh, his mother is that what's oh, going on there? Okay. And I, 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 it just kind of lost me there at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't the case. Um, so yeah. So what did you think of that plot overall? I, I
1: thought it was established a little loosely. Because um, mm-hmm. what's established is the fact that I think these this tribe of Indians was uh, searching for the chief's daughter mm-hmm. who had been kidnapped, and I think that that was their that's their initial uh reason for attacking the uh the encampment of the um the uh expedition expedition or yeah, the uh, you know. what do you, i don't know what you call it, the fur trappers basically right if right. you will um th- that's their initial reason for attacking them and then by chance they just basically steal their pelts um right. and, and and so that it seemed to me like they were kind of established as thieves more than people just on a mission looking to find one of their a lost member of their tribe. Um, okay. So th- I thought it was established kind of loosely, but after a while I picked, I, I picked up on it pretty quickly that they're searching for this chief's daughter. Right. Um, and, and yeah, it, it was, it was connected a little too, a little too loosely mm-hmm. to, to the main plot. Um, I Not to say it was disinteresting or anything, but uh, I, I really, I enjoyed the way it connected in the end. Um, I, it was, uh, I, I thought it was kind of obvious that it was going to happen that, uh, that this girl, this, the chief's daughter was going to find her way back to the, to the Indian tribe right. and it was going to pay off somehow in the mm. end. Not exactly sure how, um,
0: I thought that last line with, uh, Hugh Glass saying to, saying to Fitzgerald, what, um, he's going to let fate decide or, or whatever. Uh, it
1: was. He said revenge is in God's hands, I think. Right, right. That's what it's he said. It's like, well... I mean, you kind of knew what was going to happen yeah. when you let him into the I mean It's like, yeah. you know, all right. It wasn't a big mystery what was going to happen exactly. to the guy, you <laughs> know. Yeah. It was kind of kind of a I had more of a tro- I had more of a problem with the line itself yeah. than the fact that it happened. I'll put it right, that way. Right. Yeah. Um, like
0: even if it was even if they were like uh I don't I don't know. This is a so super uh loose whatever, but um if like if like the tribe was further down like <laughs> and like if if like if, uh if uh, um Hugh Hugh glass could only see that's his name right Hugh glass I,
1: I never I don't think they ever established his first name did they I
0: think they did maybe but, they did I know glasses right right anyways if if the tribe was at like farther down like barely within uh I uh, um wow, what's the word I'm looking for the um the riverbank re, yeah barely within view of of uh Leo DiCaprio and then he did that and said that like that would that would have been nice but I mean they right. were like I mean,
1: they were like they're like twenty yards away. They could
0: hear him say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. It was, and that I mean, that's a minor, that's a minor thing. Yeah, but it, it yeah. could have
1: been handled a little better, I think. Yeah, I think but, so
0: too. And yeah. it is Hugh Glass. Hugh Glass. Okay. So I'm gonna have to keep all that in. But um, okay, yeah, um,
1: yeah, I I think uh, I think it's important to address the violence in the movie mm-hmm. um, because it's it is very violent. Uh, but I think it's all. I think it's all just so appropriate. Like you can't tell the story without the violence. Yeah. And back then, you know, it, it speaks speaks volumes to how what kind of person you had to be in order to get through something like this. I guess right. you know, if you're if you're someone who's going to be out in the wilderness in what at the time was Indian occupied territory, you had mm-hmm. to be willing to perpetrate these acts of violence in order to defend yourself. Right. Like there's the, the chances of your party being raided or something was so high that you just had to put yourself there mentally and, and, right. and acknowledge the fact that if you're going to go do this, you have to be willing to kill Indians. Right. That's pretty much, I mean, it's almost a given. And so put depicting a story that involves those kind of stakes, I think you have to make it violent like this because that's okay. how it was. That's how it was back then. That's how, People got killed. I mean, there's there's a lot of guns in this movie, um, and guns can be a very impersonal way to kill someone. You just pull a trigger, and the right. metal does all the work. But you know, back in the day, you know, it's, it took a minute to load up a gun, right? And so, th- throughout this movie, there's a lot of people being stabbed with knives. There's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, melee attacks, and it's all just hard to watch. People oh, getting yeah. their faces cracked open with gun butts and stuff like that. It's just, it's all really, really gross and violent mm-hmm. um but i just think it was so appropriate and it was just it was just done perfectly i don't think anything was gratuitous no uh i don't think they pulled any punches anywhere um you know they, they weren't like well let's dial this back we don't necessarily need to see this part it was like no you're gonna see what this is like and right. you're going to experience this violence mm-hmm. um and I, just, I thought it was all really just really well done and appropriate. And again, they didn't cut any corners. Right. They, they, they did things the right way in this movie. And I just I appreciated the violence, which right. is a, kind of a weird thing to say. But it was just appropriate.
0: Tiny got really excited when he cut open the horse. I was hard cabin. the whole time. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Do I keep it in? Do yeah. I cut it out? <laughs> no. Oh my God! Um,
1: <laughs> oh, uh, I couldn't help myself.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm depending whether I'm going to keep that in. I or not. don't know if you I can. Don't know either. I <laughs> might cut it out anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a very violent movie, and it's a very necessary violence um, to that to that point. And also, there's there's that scene. I, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the scene where he cuts open the horse and yeah takes a siesta. Um, no uh it's i mean like that's just so like to see that it's it's just it like i was very aware of how disgusting it was (laughs) yeah it's not like you know cutting open um what what was it's a tauntaun tauntaun in in those movies you guys like yeah um
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) see now now that that was a subdued depiction of that
0: well yeah yeah
1: but this wasn't this was
0: if only hugh glass had a lightsaber yeah (laughs) That would be a completely different movie. Um, anyway, yeah. So, so seeing that, seeing that depicted so raw like that was just really, really handled really well. Yeah. So, how did you feel about the kind of back, uh, the backstory of Hugh Glass and and the kid uh, Hawk? Um, there's there's some flashbacks throughout it. And correct me if I'm wrong with any of this, but basically, it's uh, there's reference to Hugh killing a lieutenant. Um, and then we see bits and pieces in the, in the in the flashback. It's what was that? What was that exactly? Because um, I'm having trouble remembering.
1: Yeah, basically uh, the the woman who was I don't know if it's ever established that she was his wife, but yeah. it was the woman he was with. Um, she she was an Indian woman. Uh, he had a child with her, and their camp was raided by. I, I assumed I think they were British. Troops? I think so. Didn't look like uh didn't look like American troops. Right. Um but they were their camp was raided and his wife got killed. Um and he, I think in response, uh, killed the man back and it right. it kinda haunted him for the rest of his life and sort of it put him in this the situation where he had to take this job basically mm. to help support his family and and use what skills he had to to make a way through his life and um yeah, that was that was an interesting setup and like throughout the movie there's uh very spiritual dream-like situations where he's he has visions and uh, might say hallucin- hallucinations of his wife right. um who's kind of guiding him through this conflict and and through this this rough time in his life. Um I mean I I think without that the the motivations of the character are a little the stakes are a little lower, maybe, or, or the the motivations of the character aren't quite as heavy and relatable. I, I think the fact that all he has left, as far as family, is is his son, mm-hmm. and he's using and he's he's in the pursuit of uh, vengeance for his son. Um, it's I, I don't I don't think you know I think if his son had survived and he had just been you know uh, Fitzgerald had just left him for dead, I don't think you'd have the revenge plot. Right, but because the son died, and because his wife was murdered, and he feels like he owes her something to you know raise their son the right way and and be mm-hmm. a good father to him, I think it all just kinda it all blends together and gives the right motivations to the character um yeah. I think the the hallucinations and the spiritual stuff was a little. It, it, it tended to be a little bit of a bump in the road i think a little bit um, i think they
0: they did it a little bit too much a
1: little bit too much right. yeah a, a couple scenes would have been good right. or maybe just one big one mm-hmm. that sets him on that sets him on his path right uh would have been very appropriate and i think really well done and mm-hmm. I, I would have agreed with it but i think it just it it, it made an appearance a few too many times <coughs> um uh, like i said glad it was there but uh it, i think it could have been handled a slight, handled slightly differently but i don't think it was Quite to the detriment of the movie.
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Visually, it was it was very uh, very interesting. Um, Very
1: like lucid, dreamlike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or euphoric. Very a very euphoric feel to it.
0: Right. Um, Yeah. uh, 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 Wow. Ethereal.
1: Ethereal. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: swear to God, I almost said (laughs) urethreal. that's not the word i was looking for not quite uh, very ethereal kind of kind of visual absolutely uh, like yeah kind of it. yeah and and i like that um but then again it just you know, like you said it just kind of dragged on um mm-hmm. here and there um and dragged it a little bit but um he finds at one point he finds a he stumbles across this guy that kind of you know helps him out a little bit how do you feel about that i thought that it was i thought it was fine i, I was very uh dismayed to see what happened to him but um i thought that was it was an interesting interesting if i don't want to say cliched or or expected but i guess it would be kind of an expected um uh hurdle in the road to 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 have him find a kindred spirit in it yeah
1: it's Uh, it's a very realistic movie mm -hmm. and so realistically he should have died and right. and you know he should have the, the the at one point this person he runs into says that your body's rotting. Mm-hmm. Uh clearly he has infections and all kinds right. of whatever. Uh he that should have killed him. I mean, by all by all rights, but so there needed there needed to be something to facilitate his healing. Um and so I I kind of expected he was going to get some help at some point. <laughs> right. Um and so it it made sense but at the same time it was a little convenient I think yeah. to have the guy just kind of show up when he's at his mm-hmm. arguably at his lowest, one of his lowest points. Um, so I, I can understand someone having taking issue with it, but I, I think it was a, a, a relatively, a relatively eloquent way to handle that situation. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, so, something needed to happen. There needed to be something, there needed to be a catalyst to get us sure. on to the next part of the movie. And, uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Again, it it had, it had, a very spiritual tone to it as well. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they were kind of kindred spirits. Yeah. Um, I, I liked that aspect of it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I thought it was well done. I don't, I really didn't have too much of a problem with it, but mm-hmm. I, I acknowledge why it's a bit of a shortcoming.
0: Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is there really anything else we need to talk about with this movie? I don't
1: think so. Did, did you think the ending was a little abrupt? Maybe
0: um, refresh my memory on the absolute ending. Cause he uh, says that God's going to, you know, do his thing. Is yeah. It, does, it end, does it end there?
1: The Indians walk by him and it and it shows his face and then
0: it fades to black. Oh, yeah. I wasn't dissatisfied with the way it ended. Okay. Um, like, I didn't need to see him going back into town or going back into the settlement or whatever. Okay. Or collapsing from the various infections and injuries yeah. he was... Uh, going to die from right. probably right um well i guess he does he
1: he does want uh, let me take that back he does mm-hmm. kind of wander to the woods a little bit okay. and he sees a hallucination of his wife and i think he kind of looks to the sky and it kind of fades to black from there oh, yeah. which which is a bit of an end cap i'll i guess i'll give him credit there I, mm-hmm. I, I i wanted i guess i wanted a little bit more of an end cap but i again i can't I can't count it against the movie. I I guess I can't, I can't knock points off of my score of it for that. But uh, Mm -hmm. what wasn't exactly what I wanted, but uh, yeah, it it was fine. I I can't, can't knock it.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. Okay. Um, Yeah. So that's our review of the revenant. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for listening to that. And uh, if you skipped ahead from the spoilers, then welcome back. And um, now we're going to do potpourri. Potpourri. Yes. For first-time listeners of the show, potpourri is the section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, as long as it smells good, is the what we use to describe it. Um, <laughs> basically, anything we're watching, anything we're looking forward to, anything uh, that's kind of been in front of our eyes or want to be in front of our eyes, uh, which is a weird way to say it. Anyway, potpourri, what? that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> Tiny, you have two things. I have two. And I have three. I'm going to start us off with last week on the show on OV151, uh, Tiny, you picked out of the bag for me to watch a random random movie from my Netflix queue or Hulu or Amazon. Draw- drawing from the bag, you got Netflix, and you picked one of the numbers, I don't remember, um, but it ended up being The Station Agent. Nice. Yes, and uh, like a good podcaster, I watched it. Um, <laughs> Uh so I watched it. It's, uh Tom Tom McCarthy's 2003 movie uh with Peter Dinklage as a loner a, a loner guy who after his after his only friend dies he inherits a uh an a, a piece of property that's in a, an old uh train depot. Um and then he goes there to live a solitary life but becomes uh uh friendly with uh a, an outspoken uh, a hot dog vendor guy <laughs> and a uh, a woman with her own personal uh, struggles, right. basically. Um, that's a rundown of it. It's worth noting that it was written and directed by Tom McCarthy. I don't think it was his first movie, um, but he is nominated this year for directing uh, Spotlight, which is also nominated for Best Picture and a slew of other nominations. Mm-hmm. Um and then he also last year uh had uh the Cobbler, the Adam Sandler movie.
1: Wow, I didn't I forgot he did that. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um yeah, so you know. Um we
1: all we all have to earn a paycheck somewhere.
0: Right. Um <laughs> Tiny, you love this movie, The Station Agent, correct? Loved it. Yes. And I also nice. liked it Quite a bit. It was very good. Um one thing that struck me early on about it is that Peter Dinklage his His image, his persona that he puts off um, is so not dependent on his dwarfism that to see him play a character that is ridiculed for it in, in a dramatic fashion, like early in the movie, there's some kids that kind of uh, bully him about it I guess or or uh they tease him about it as he wa- as he's walking past and he's a loner so he's just kind of like not engaging them or anything just walking away to see that is so bizarre to me <laughs> um here in 2016 where I know him from you know he he plays well obviously he's most noted for um uh Tyrion Tyrion Lannister in um Game of Thrones which is which is a um I don't know what the technical term in the Game of Thrones universe is for it he's an he's the imp Um, uh, he, he had like, it's, it's part of the character, but he's, again, he's such a strong character and he's such, such a strong presence that to see him play a character that is, um, so personally affected by, by, um, people's perceptions of him is so just so jarring to me. And it's, it, it's work, it works to great effect because he plays it incredibly well. Um, it seems like a very personal performance for him. And it's very, it's just very melancholy. And, and the way that he is like, he, like I said, in the description, he is a loner and he basically just wants to live alone forever. Um, and it's just, it's just sad to me because you can tell how internal that is and how much of a, how much of a struggle it is for him to connect with other people. Um, and so, so the other, uh, actors, in the movie is, uh, as Joe, the um, uh, aforementioned hot dog vendor guy, it's Bobby Cannavale, who I'm a big fan of. Love him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to say, did he did he beat Peter Dinklage for um, Best Supporting Actor Emmy in uh, for Boardwalk Empire? Was that?
1: I think he, he did, yeah. I think so. He did, yeah. 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 That's
0: interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Patricia Clarkson plays Olivia, the uh, woman with some personal issues. I of love her, her too. She
1: was great in she's it. She's a fantastic actress.
0: Oh, she's she's amazing and she was really great in this movie. Also featured in this movie is Michelle Williams. Who, oh yeah. I'm a huge fan of hers. I I, I kind of wish I think she has a movie that's at Sundance now or maybe I think a couple movies actually. Um so I hope that I get to see more of her soon because um, I really like her as a dramatic actress. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, so there's, there's some really nice moments in this movie. There's, uh, this really, this one moment that really stuck out to me is that after Finn, played by Peter Dinklage, is, uh, forms the friendship with Bobby Cannavale's Joe, um, they kind of, I think this is more when Joe's forcing his friendship onto Finn, yeah. Um, Finn is, he, he, so to set the scene, he's, um, Finn is sitting on a bench next to a train track, Mm -hmm. um, and he's just sitting there. It's in town. It's it's far away. And then Olivia gives Joe a, a a ride to to find him to hang out with him, basically. And he goes and he sits down next to him. And there's this, it's it's like uh, it it it, rem- it made me think of how small the movie felt and how intimate it was because it's basically these three characters and their friendship um, amongst themselves, basically. And in this moment, uh, uh, Finn is watching watching the train tracks and he's basically just telling telling Joe like, yeah. um, I'm just I'm just waiting for the train and everything cuz that's just what he likes to do he likes trains. Right. And so he's I I kind of felt like that that felt like it's it's a new it's a new area. He had no other he had no other reason to stay uh, where he was before when his friend died, which he had, he had a life there. He had his own like social circle and all that stuff. But once his friend died, that's when he just up and left and wanted to, this life of solitude. But it felt like him finding the train track and just sitting there and watching the train. There's a moment where he tells Joe that um, the last train passed about an hour and a half ago. And uh, just seeing that, it's just it spoke to me because it, it kind of felt like he's he's a loner and everything but it's it's like he he's in a new environment but he's he's trying to get back into old habits and he's trying to recreate what's normal to him and that just felt just really just really personal and very a very nice moment for the, for the movie
1: agreed yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen it for years mm-hmm. but i remember just like instantly falling in love with all three characters yeah the characters are just so so strong in this movie Mm -hmm. and and i love the the, how how multi-dimensional they are Mm -hmm. and and how all those dimensions find their way to the surface and 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 how through their friendship reluctantly as they got into them i think uh they they find the flaws in themselves and Mm -hmm. And and find a way to kind of get through life. I think it's yeah. it's such a cool movie. I mm-hmm. just the characters are just so so great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I've always meant to purchase it. I just never mm-hmm. have. It's I'd love to see it again. It's yeah. it's such a fun movie.
0: Well, it's currently on Netflix. Is it? <sighs> yeah, and which is why I watched it this time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I
1: couldn't remember if it was Netflix or Hulu or whatever. right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, to to kind of round it out, I, I'm a I'm a huge sucker for these types of movies where it's like these flawed or otherwise damaged characters, um, finding each other and and repairing each other for, mm-hmm. through their friendship. Like I'm I'm such a sucker for that dynamic in a movie, yeah. and this was a really great representation of it. Great. Right. Yeah,
1: I'm glad you liked it. Yeah
0: good good picking out of the bag tiny totes good picking out of the bag uh so that is my first potpourri tiny what is your first
1: potpourri my first potpourri is the movie focus which i think came
0: out in was it 2015 it was very early 2015 january or february
1: okay very early 2015 Mm. uh the movie focus uh starring will smith and uh margot roby Robbie Robbie Is it Robbie Robbie or Robbie, I think
0: it's Robbie
1: Margot Robbie yeah. um, as well as a couple other people um, mm-hmm. I uh, I didn't have much interest in it I, I felt like um, the movie was going to be successful because of Will Smith mm-hmm. and uh, because of Margot Robbie because mm-hmm. she's very attractive um, I, I thought I thought it just had those two things working for it and that's why it was gonna if it had any success it was because of those two things mm-hmm. Um and and I, I was mostly right. Uh, it was it was it was an okay movie. I it actually held my attention pretty darn well. Um, Will Smith and Margot Robbie have really good chemistry. Nice. Um, I I totally bought their relationship and their their give and take throughout the movie. Um, they're fantastic together. I, I was I was really pleased. I wish they had a better script to work with. Um, the script wasn't that bad, really. It's just it it could have been so much so much better. I think there was a a fair deal of potential in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it had a great cast to uh to really elevate it. Um Gerald McRaney, uh who's a character actor you'll know from like uh he played a uh plays a billionaire in um uh sorry, House of Cards. Okay. Um from the first season of House of Cards. Um he kinda he, he uh he vets Kevin Spacey for the president.
0: Oh, uh Raymond Tusk?
1: Yes. There That's you go. him. Oh okay. Yeah. What's Uh, his name again? uh, Gerald
0: McRaney. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he was also, he was in season two of House Cards as well. Was he in the
1: second? Yeah, he is. He was like the big adversary. Right, right. Um, He's a fantastic character actor. Um, And I think he was the best part of this movie. He was Mm -hmm. just, he was so antagonistic and just very, uh, very in your face kind of character. I really loved him in this. He, again, had great chemistry with Will Smith. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot to like about the movie. I I think the, the plot is kind of, it's kind of, it's downfall a little bit. It's just kind of, kind of strung together, not, not particularly clever. I think, um, it's all about con men and, you know, conning people into things, um, which, which is a great premise for a story. Um, I just, I wasn't as interested in the story as I was the characters, um, I I think all all the actors really embraced their characters and did did a pretty good job with them. Um, So that's really the high point of it. Um, Also, uh, Rodrigo Santoro, Mm -hmm. uh, famous for Xerxes in the movie 300, and he was also in a couple episodes of Lost. Mm -hmm. Um, He did a pretty good job. He had, again, an antagonistic kind of character. Um, He was good. Uh, Adrian Martinez was a supporting character that did a terrific job. Um, There's a very cool scene with B.D. Wong at uh, the Super Bowl. Okay. Um there's there's just a lot of cool very very cool subtle performances that I really appreciated. Um just a, a great cast, everyone really really dug in. So that was the the highlight of the movie. Um but again the story just kind of blah whatever. Um okay. I think I gave it like a I think I gave it like 3 stars out of 5. Um okay. if you're bored and it's on <laughs> it's a decent <laughs> thing to watch. I I kind of had fun with it. Um yeah.
0: Um, I, when seeing the trailers for it, all I thought was, uh, this looks a lot like Matchstick Men. <laughs> uh, it was it not, it wasn't play? as clever as Matchstick Men. Gotcha. Um, Okay. yeah, hmm.
1: but similar in that the characters are the best part, okay. I think. That's what I think about Matchstick Men anyways.
0: Right. Nice. Yeah. Um, so if you don't mind, I'll go with my next one. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, I saw a movie at the theater, hmm um, <laughs> Uh, it was uh, okay I don't know how to I don't know how I'm going to start this but I'll just I'll just go ahead and do it Dirty Grandpa was freaking horrible yeah like so bad and I just looked up the um, credits for the writer and director Uh, the writer um, I haven't really seen much of his work it's John Phillips but um, he's attached to uh, Bad Santa 2 that's coming out Hmm. this year apparently but um interesting this was his first screenplay apparently but the director and this bums me out so much it's this guy dan Mazer. uh oh well, it bums me out quite a bit um he wrote the he wrote and directed the movie i give it a year uh from 2013 with rafe spall, rafe spall. it's a rom-com yeah with him and rose byrne which i i enjoyed that movie that was a great
1: though. movie yeah yeah well, like uh
0: that. we might bring it up next week maybe um anyway so anyway um but dirty grandpa was just uh, irredeemably bad in in my eyes yeah it was okay so the so the plot is basically robert de niro's wife dies um after a long illness and so he he has his his grandson played by zach afron who's an uptight lawyer uh for his father's law firm who his father is um not really close with robert de niro's character um so basically robert de niro coerces zach efron to drive him to florida to um so that robert de niro could engage in sexual intercourse with uh young women uh though yeah that that's the central premise for the movie sounds like a oscar bait it well <laughs> <laughs> On paper it sounds like it could be kind of enjoyable. I I'm, yeah. I'm I'm okay with just dumb comedy movies like that. Yeah. But this movie was just so bad. It's so okay, from purely from a technical standpoint, there are scenes like uh, so when you shoot a movie, you shoot different takes of a certain scene and then in editing you cut those scenes together to make a to make a cohesive um scene that's true to the script and everything, you know, point of view, like it cuts between point of view uh, from each character and everything. The movie's so bad from a technical standpoint that they couldn't get the blocking down for those scenes. Good Lord. Yeah. So like there are scenes where two people are talking like out in the open and then it cuts between the two. And like there are more continuity mistakes in this movie than I saw in all of 2015 of any movie I saw. (laughs) Good Lord. Put together. It's like it's so jarring and so irritating wow yeah so that took me out of the movie quite a bit um, <laughs> but it's it's just it's none of the jokes landed it's aubrey plaza played who, who i'm a fan of aubrey plaza me too um, she's 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 great and in, in a lot of things i really really like her in parks and rec um the to-do list i was not too fond of but um i had high hopes for her. this movie she is basically playing a um sex crazed high school or college senior who is obsessed with the idea of having sex with uh, Robert De Niro, but she's still doing that. Um, uh, that April Ludgate kind of like that tone. And it's, it's just falls so flat And the writing. The writing is so horrendous. It's, (laughs) it's, it's so bad. It's like, there's a scene where they meet up where, where Robert De Niro and Zac Efron meet up with, with, uh, her and her friends. Um, and there's a scene where, where in the same scene, these two lines are spoken by Aubrey Plaza. She tells Robert De Niro, uh, that they should come to Florida to party some babies into them. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, sure, uh, sure. That was fun. That sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, technically speaking, I don't, I, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, and then he says, no, we're going to go to Florida. We're going to go to whatever to play golf. And then she says, you can, you can, shove some balls into my vagina and it's what? like yeah it's like it's like it's not even clever innuendo or anything yeah. it's just it's just like it, like it would have been i would have got more of a laugh out of me if she said hey will you come fuck me like <laughs> that would have been more funny to me than them trying and failing so unbelievably hard to be clever yeah it, like miserably failing at it. Um, and then as the movie progresses, it's, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just, it's just terrible. It's, um, so, so there's a whole, this is wandering into spoiler territory, but I'll, I'll try to be vague for the three people who still want to see this. Um, seriously, do not waste your money on seeing this in the theater. It's, if it's still in the theater, just don't, if, if you think that it's going to be fun, wait for it to be on Redbox or something. Cause my yeah. God or Netflix, but, um, So there's a scene, there's a whole arc where, um, Zach Efron is this uptight lawyer. As I mentioned before, he's, he's, you know, he's just super focused on his career and everything. None of it, like, it totally falls flat. It's, it's just doesn't, it, something about his performance just feels like I don't buy him as this character. I don't buy him as the straight guy in this, in this scenario. And he strikes up this, he's, he's engaged to a woman that it's clear that he's not meant to be with. And then he meets this, he meets this girl that he used to, uh, uh, that he knew in college. And, uh, and they strike up a friendship and then they have like a few scenes together and then they fall in love, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I don't buy the relationship. I don't buy that romance or anything. And then there's a scene and this is where, okay, okay. Long time listeners of this podcast, people who know me personally, everyone, I'm very clear about this. I hate there's there's nothing that I hate more than people who disrupt movie going experiences mm-hmm. for me. Like like it's ruined experiences for me to see people like this is a point of not point of contention, but this is a point of conversation between Tiny and I on this podcast frequently yeah. that I will be just so upset about an experience and then Tiny you just don't care. Like you're fine with it.
1: It depends on what the situation be. Yeah.
0: Like. Yeah. So, um uh, most notably Creed re- recently, um this happened. So, basically in this experience, I was almost the person that disrupted the theater experience. <laughs> it was like, there's a scene toward the end where I will be vague to, to avoid spoilers, but there's a scene where a character, two characters are singing a duet, karaoke, at a rehearsal uh, a rehearsal dinner, kind of banquet hall. Very small space for, for a banquet hall. Um, the one person is on stage at the front of the room. At the back of the room on a balcony is the other person. They're on microphones. The mics go out for, ve- for whatever reason. And then uh, the person on the balcony has an epiphany that they want to tell the person on the stage um, a, a, a harsh truth about their relationship. So the cousin of the person on the balcony says to him under him saying like, hey, played by Adam Pally, by the way, um, hmm. slumming it. Uh, he's a great he, I I love his I, I love him and it's a shame to see him uh, fall in this movie but um, he says to says to the person on the balcony he says hey she can't hear you so there is a three to five minutes scene basically the amount of time that I've had to spend setting this up <laughs> is the amount of time that this gag ran Basically where the person on the balcony says to the cousin, will you tell, will you pass this message along to her? Then says the message, and then three to five minutes of the cousin pointing to various people in the room saying, hey, can, hey, uncle, whatever, can you pass this along? And, oh, I forgot that this guy's deaf. Uh, hey, Cousin, whatever. Can you pass this along to the person thing? Blah blah blah. Oh oh, he has a uh, he has a voice modula- modulator thing.
1: Yeah, because uh, a lot of people have those.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's totally ripe for comedy and all that. <laughs> um, and so they can't understand. So oh, we'll go to this goofy waiter who's very awkward and everything. And like throughout this entire se- this entire sequence, this is toward the end of the movie. I was so ready to just get the hell out of there. I almost stood up. I. Almost, I was so close to standing up and just yelling. They're in the same fucking room. <laughs> They're within earshot. <laughs> Fuck this movie, and then walk out. I, I, I came so close to doing that. Good lord, so close to doing that. Um, but the, but I didn't. And then uh, it's just the whole movie just was so horrible. And then, wow, yeah, it's it's so bad. And then at the end, spoiler, jump thirty thirty seconds if you don't want to be spoiled. But um. There's a character who in, who comes comes up after being unconscious for about the last 15 minutes of screen time. Uh, comes up to uh, the main character and says, "Oh, I like her a lot. You should stay with her or whatever." And I'm like, "This is literally the first time this 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 person is seeing this seeing this person. Like, <laughs> this is the first inkling that this person has of anything going on. It's just, oh, this movie was infuriating. Do not see Dirty Grandpa, please." uh two bright points about it though um one is that uh, really good use of uh a, a song by matt and kim at the beginning okay. um i think it was daylight that, that song i really like that song um also used in the either pilot or second episode of community uh back in the day um okay. back in the day seven eight years ago anyway um and then two is that uh Oh, oh, (laughs) fun theater experience. I didn't stand up and do that. But uh, before the movie started, before the trailer started, Mm -hmm. I was sitting there and I I heard there were people sitting two rows behind me and I just heard, and I felt so bad for this guy because I've been in this situation before. I just heard very loud snoring. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. And like throughout the movie, I just basically heard... (sighs) Wait, wake up. Wake up. Get up. <laughs> like and I, i've been in that situation before because i used to work nights i worked nights for like seven eight years and like i would go see movies during the day and yeah. like i remember you and i went to see raiders of the lost ark at keystone art at, at midnight screening and like i was falling asleep during yeah that. yeah and yeah so i i felt for the guy but right. um but yeah and that's the only really redeemable thing i have to say about dirty grandpa don't see it oh also final final thought and then we can go to your next one um the scene that's in the trailer of Aubrey Plaza saying all of the like, Oh, rip my bra. Like it's a social security check, funny and everything. And like that scene is, is funny. Um, but then as soon as it happened in it, I was like this, there's a reason why this scene was in the trailer. Cause it's the funniest scene. And then I realized this is basically just a cheap knockoff of a bit from Louie, uh, from Louis C.K.'s show Louie. Oh. Cause there's a scene where, where he, uh, I haven't seen the show, but I've seen the clip on YouTube where he plays a comedy club and then some woman comes up to him and talks about how she's really attracted to old men. Yeah. And so they have sex and she tells him to tell her things about being old. And so right. he's saying like, oh, you, I remember when you when you could smoke on an airplane. And <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. And she's like really into it and everything. <laughs> and like, like in that scene, that's played so much better than in the stupid, stupid movie. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's Dirty Grandpa. Please do not see it. Uh, yeah. Ugh.
1: So, so like, like eight out of ten? Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> I think I gave it one star. Oh, wow. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. It was, ugh, And that's so what bad. I've heard is that it's really bad mm-hmm. from a lot of people. And
0: I didn't expect it to be that bad. So, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, um, your next potpourri, Tiny.
1: My next potpourri, Uh I mentioned it last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had started it. It is the docu series "The Jinx," yes. uh, which Matt referenced or talked mm-hmm. about uh, once or twice.
0: So on our uh, "Making a Murderer" episode. I That's right. It was it. "Making a Murderer." Yeah, Potpourri.
1: That's right. Um, and, and his his fervor for it made me want to watch it, mm-hmm. and uh, I finally did. Um, yes. It's it's a very accessible, very accessible series because it's only six episodes it's like maybe four four and a half hours total Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not it's not really long but they they pack a lot of information into it um i i really loved it i was really enthralled by this documentary um they it's it's such a it's such a different premise being that you know this the the lead the lead subject if you will Robert Durst should by all means not want to have himself in the limelight at right. all and not want to be exposed to scrutiny or be put in a situation where he could screw up and let something slip this guy should be a recluse and and, and he should keep his mouth shut basically but the, the premise of the documentary is that the guy calls up this filmmaker and says hey interview me I want you to get I want to get my side of the story out there right uh, talk about stupid. <laughs> um, he, it's just a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to spoil anything cause I want people to watch it. Like right. I said, it's very accessible. It's really not a big time commitment. You could knock it out in a day if you want. Matt, you knocked it out in mm-hmm. one sitting, didn't you? Uh,
0: pretty much one, pretty much one sitting.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I've knocked it out in two, I think nice. two sittings. So, um, I just watch it. It's so incredible. Mm-hmm. And the ending just pays off. I mean, uh-huh. I mean, making a murderer was not quite as conclusive, maybe. Sure. I guess it didn't have quite the end point, but this just knocks you out mm-hmm. at the end. It's just awesome. Um, and it's, I think it's going to be everyone who watches it will find it immensely satisfying mm-hmm. for that respect. Um, uh, I, I won't rehash everything about it because Matt's talked about it already, but, uh, it's, it's just such a cool, Just such a cool occurrence. It's just something that happened, this interview, that shouldn't have happened, and we all have access to it. It's just really, really incredible. Um, I think, as I was watching it, I thought it was maybe a little exploitative, but I don't think it was exploitative the way that some things in Making a Murderer were. Um, We mentioned how I think one of the subjects of that documentary was exploited by the police and and stuff like that um i don't think this is exploitation because bob durst chose to participate in this right and they basically just capitalized on his shortcomings as a person Mm. and and his i'll call it idiocy (laughs) um it's it's just a really incredible thing i mean watch it because it's it's remarkable.
0: Almost narcissistic or, or vain, vanity yeah. kind of thing. It's it's so perplexing why he would even he, he's a, subject um, himself to it. I,
1: I think he's uh, definitively a sociopath.
0: Yeah. Oh, like, totally.
1: like if you want to know what a sociopath is, watch this. Mm-hmm. That's what Robert Durst is.
0: Yeah. And there are a couple, I won't say when or what they are, but there are a couple, and we talked about it in, in our chat, <laughs> um, there are a couple things, a couple like... Uh, Points in the documentary that it's just like it's it's so it's like the reason why I watched anyone sitting is like at two points I was just like I stopped and I was like did did I really just see that did that really just happen did they really capture that moment yeah on film for this documentary and uh, like it's it it's just so incredible that this happened and that we're witnesses to this and Mm -hmm. that this is something that it's not. I mean it's it's horrible because the subject matter and and everything but as I don't and I don't mean to kind of um to um uh to 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 lower the impact of of what happened um or anything but it's entertaining it's an entertainment it thing and it's just so it's so astounding that that this is what happened yeah um and i'm just talking about what happens in the documentary not even about the story (laughs) right so it's just it's you owe it to yourself to watch the jinx i know it's been out for like a year it's a year year. it
1: debuted in february 2015 Mm
0: -hmm. but if you haven't watched it yet check it out because my god yeah um yeah robert
1: robert durst is the kind of person that needs to be like studied Mm -hmm. like he needs to be he's he's like a mistake of the evolution of the human brain Mm mm-hmm I mean, that's, it's just a remarkable subject.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk off the mic when, when we're, when we're done here about, there's one thing in particular that was just at the end that was just unbelievable. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> jesus anyways okay so anyway to round out our potpourri were you done
1: i am done okay
0: so to round out our potpourri tiny sir do you remember last when was it last episode we talked about seeing 2001 a space Odyssey. yes we did that was on a third that was on uh not last thursday but the thursday before correct
1: yes As matt this
0: recording yes <laughs> yeah. That's one of the greatest film experiences of my lifetime awesome. seeing it on the big screen 70 millimeter in the theater do you want to know what i did one week later
1: you watch it on blu-ray
0: no <laughs> i went to a theater and i had an amazing theater experience because I saw the Rift Tracks live version of The Room. Awesome. Which is one of the worst movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, background on the movie, if you haven't seen it yet, please do, because if you like watching horrible movies, this is like the... They call it the Citizen Kane of bad movies, and it's, it's unbelievably bad, and it's so, <laughs> so, so hilarious. Basically, the background is that this guy, Tommy Wiseau, he is an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Like I don't know much about him and his life and I don't want to know cause he's so weird. <laughs> um, and it will diminish the quality of his art, but <laughs> basically he decided just, he was independently wealthy, I think. And he decided to make a movie and he made a movie and he had no idea uh, how <laughs> it's like in, I think, uh, in the, in the riff tracks, it's, uh, the way that they introduced it which I'll talk to uh, talk about that in a minute um the way they introduced it was it's it's like he didn't he's it's like he's never seen a movie before no wait it's like he's never seen a person before <laughs> no wait it's like he's never seen like it's it's like he's never interacted with a person before it's like it's, he's never interacted with a person and then it's in he's never seen a person before because it's so bizarre tiny have you seen the room i've never seen it oh my god you've got to watch it it's <laughs> it's so so bad it's yeah. it's amazing so so okay so uh <laughs> so dumb it's so dumb um there's there's even out of context, I don't know how to frame this because it's so bizarre. The whole movie is just incredibly bizarre. Yeah. Um, There's so many weird things. If you can see it in a theater with an audience, definitely do that because it's astounding. Mm -hmm. I've seen it at a midnight screening at Keystone art with a packed house basically. And what they do with these things its this is just amazing. Um, Is there's in on the set in, in the, in the frame of several of several scenes in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, in the room, um, <laughs> there's a framed picture of a spoon. Yeah. That's not referenced or anything like that, but anytime it's on screen, like the people at the screening I went to, not this time, but the last time, uh, they would, they had had boxes of plastic spoons <laughs> every time that, sc- that that damn spoon was on screen they threw spoons at the screen it was amazing <laughs> yeah um yeah so anyway so Rift tracks to, to kind of leap, leapfrog into that le- uh riff tracks is basically um my understanding of it is the guys from mystery science theater 3000 after that show ended um which i'm really excited for it to come back and uh have you heard about this that jonah hill's gonna or jo- jonah ray is gonna be uh, the host of it oh no i didn't know that yeah oh yeah cool. um yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh so anyway, so the guys from MST3K, they basically do do riff tracks which are commentary tracks like MST3K but for like modern movies and and horrible movies they do like Sharknado and and you know just just terrible terrible movies.
1: And uh The 50 Shades of Grey one or I'm sorry, uh Twilight Twilight same yes, thing. Yes, uh, So
0: awesome. So funny. So great. Um and so this was a live performance of it, it was recorded last year but it was basically a live presentation of the of of the roof tracks live that they did last year. And it's hands down one of the like it's the hardest I've ever laughed in a theater. Like I was I was choking back tears. I was I was choking and I was tearing up. I was tears streaming down my face. I farted at one point. It was it was like ev- like my like, every every like my body didn't know what was going on. It was just so incredible. And uh and there was one moment where, and this was, I felt kind of weird, and it was it was nice that it happened at this point because I just watched The Jinx recently, and there was a moment where, um, oh, oh, by the way, the plot of the movie is that this guy uh, Johnny is engaged to his future wife, as she's referred to in the movie, Lisa, and uh, and Lisa is cheating on him with her uh, his best friend, and everything, and uh, it, the movie is famous for the line. And this is not an exaggeration. If you haven't seen it, this is not an exaggeration of his voice or anything like this. This is how he sounds. He has this really weird accent, but he's uh, the famous line from it is "You're tearing me apart, Lisa." <laughs> it's it's amazing. Oh my god. So anyway, so um, uh, so there's there's a moment in it where they there's like a line of dialogue some somewhere where uh, they say like something like "Oh, I'm really excited about the wedding" or something like that, and then like the riff tracks guys they said um uh. <laughs> I can't remember the exact phrasing, but they were like uh like uh things Robert Durst did not say. Um and I thought that was really funny and I That's laughed awesome. like an idiot. But um yeah, so yeah, so that was that was such a fun experience. It was oh it was so funny, and I noticed things that I never noticed before in the movie, and if if you I'll leave on this note that if you um if you want if you like bad movies. And if you like, um, uh, if, if you, if you like watching bad movies to make fun of them and if you, if you like, uh, that experience, definitely watch the room. And if you see, if there's a riff tracks live event, uh, that's, that's near you at some point or whatever, uh, definitely seek that out. Cause that was a really awesome experience. I was kind of nervous because, um, I, I just, I, I didn't know what to expect from it and I, it was just, outstanding i i loved it every every second of it that's um, fantastic yeah not as obviously not as great as seeing 2001 a space odyssey but it was still a really great moment for me um nice in the theater so yeah so that rounds us out for potpourri right yep yeah awesome so um to kind of wind down we're going to uh tiny's going to pick uh something from the bag of stuff from uh, from uh things that oh god um <laughs> from things that uh i have i have a bag of things that are different numbers for different streaming services that i have and what tiny's been doing recently is that he's been pulling a random piece out and picking a number that corresponds with the thing and i've been shown to watch it uh, as evidenced by the station agent earlier in this episode so tiny what did you draw from the bag
1: I drew uh Amazon TV uh numbers 1 through 40. <sighs> so I am going to pick uh number 7.
0: Number 7. Okay. Bear with me because there's 7 days in a week. I don't know. <laughs> I r- I really like that you in that you input those those things to it. <laughs> <laughs> like you've done like yeah, this is the uh this is the 7th uh the because the, we're under the oh interesting we're under the forty fourth president yeah like I, I like that uh this is awesome okay, so I was nervous about uh Amazon TV because i I added that and you know TV's a big commitment, but this right. is something that i've I've seen the I've seen the pilot for it I've seen the i've 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 raved about the pilot on the podcast and as as it happens uh i'm i'm currently kind of in bet- not in between shows but um yeah in between shows i just i finally finished uh, star trek the original series after months of postponing it and then also just finished mad dogs which uh we'll have a bonus episode here in the here in the few days um so i'm i'm open for a tv show and this tv show um unfortunately it's been canceled um <laughs> uh <laughs> but two seasons of it are on prime it's Hannibal season 1. Oh cool. So I will go through and I will watch as much as as much of that as I can and uh and report back next week. And then in addition Tiny, do you want to do the thing that we talked about before off the air? Um picking a, a thing from It's okay. So basically this is this okay. So basically on Letterboxd I have over four hundred things on my watch list, mm-hmm. and so tiny. In addition to uh, Hannibal season one, basically, this is a list of ways that you can organize the watch list. Just pick a thing. Uh, it's basically you can organize it by release date, earliest or earliest first, earliest last. Um, different different ways to do it. So so tiny. Pick which one you're gonna pick, and then we'll do like okay. the top one.
1: Okay, I'm gonna do um, hmm, average rating, highest first that's what i'm gonna do so i clicked and and
0: and and
1: matt will read the results
0: yes and and this is the top one that we the top one you want right yep it is and i'm ashamed to admit i've never seen this uh the good the bad and the ugly
1: nice so yeah that is a good movie i have it on blu-ray no nice good movie
0: you uh, you want to let me borrow that or something? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm. I think it might be on Netflix, but but yeah, We'll work it out off the air. So here in a few days, we're going to have a bonus episode, probably on Monday, um, all about Mad Dogs, uh, the a- the Amazon original series from Sean Ryan. Uh, in that episode, I'm uh in that episode, it's gonna be with guest uh, Dylan Shark from the Dead Inside podcast, the Guilty Remnant podcast, and uh, Better Better Talk Saul. He's also a writer for BeGrizzly.com. Uh, so look forward to that and then next week tiny what are we going to talk about romantic comedies and i am so excited you can tell from his voice you can and honestly (laughs) i'm i'm legitimately very excited for this because i have been since the inception of this podcast in the in the middle middle of 2013 when we started this podcast i wanted to like, okay, so I thought, like, oh, it would be great to do a romantic comedies episode, um, right before, uh, Valentine's Day. And we've gone through two Valentine's Days where we just, for whatever reason, scheduling whatever, we couldn't do that episode, or I thought about it. I didn't think about it, um, until later. So we're finally doing it. It's before Valentine's Day. We're gonna do rom coms, and I'm so excited because I am such a, such a fan of this genre. Um, so yeah so it'll be really interesting that this week my viewing is going to be Hannibal <laughs> the good the bad and the ugly and an assortment of romantic romantic comedies yeah um, so yeah so it's we're random. going to do that Yeah. and I'm excited to go back to a topic episode yeah it's been a while uh, it has been a while so um, in the meantime you can contact us at the usual places on twitter and, and uh, the facebook page and also email and you can do that and let us know what your favorite romantic comedies are all that stuff if you want to be included in the show um. We record on Tuesdays, so keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, yeah, that about, I think that about does it? Totes. Does it? Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Don't see Dirty Grandpa. (laughs) Seriously. Okay. Thanks, guys.
2: Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loud Like from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer and follow us on Twitter at ObsessiveViewer, at ObsessiveTiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at the secularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.